This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 21 of Small Talk. I'm your host, as always, Michelle Smallman. We've got kind of a Halloween-themed episode on Tech for You this week. We're going to check in later in the pod with my guy, Izzy Gutierrez. You've seen him on ESPN, on Around the Horn. You've seen him interviewing your favorite NBA stars during the games. Izzy is well-known for being a master at Halloween costumes. I'm sure you've seen some of his incredible transformations on Around the Horn. We are going to check in with him about that later. But first, before we do that, let's get Tommy Freeze Pops on the line. And as we're recording this, Tom is actually packing up his life in Boston and getting ready to move to St. Louis. He's taking a little pausa, a little siesta, a little breather from the packing process to do this podcast. So, Tom, how is the packing progressing? You know, Michelle... I'm getting a little stressed, not about like the move or anything like that, but it's just like making sure I pack everything properly and I don't forget anything because I don't want to be calling my mom in a few days being like, hey, mom, can you go up to Boston and grab this thing I forgot at my house and then send it to me? Like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I'm just really trying to hammer things out right now. And, uh, you know, I got all these lists in my head I'm going through. Like, for example, I have this little glass thing that I keep on the counter in my bathroom that I hold my Q-tips in. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I want to bring that with me to St. Louis. I feel like that's a nice item to move into the apartment with. You know, (laughs) little things like that I don't want to forget, Michelle. Uh, Yeah, the Q-tip holder is crucial. Absolutely. Key. So key. Especially when you're transitioning into, like, adult life. I feel like it's a very good thing to ask. You know, Q-tips, they catch a bad rap because it's like, don't put it in your ear. You're going to damage your eardrum. Come on. Everybody needs a Q-tip in their life. I use a Q-tip after every shower I take. I also feel like a Q-tip is a multi-purpose tool. It's a five-tool player, especially for women because you use it in in makeup applications so much. (laughs) But you can use Q-tips in arts and crafts. You can use it if you want to put a cleaner on something, like a very small space. You can use a Q-tip to clean. I mean, obviously, it has its hygiene functions. I mean, Q-tips don't get enough love. Yeah, Q-tips, A-plus content. Also, (laughs) Q-tips are great for cleaning earbuds i know that's a disgusting thing to say but if you wear earbuds a lot you know you just got to get in there and clean them up uh one more thing about packing i'm sure you can relate to this when i moved not only from st louis to connecticut but then back it's always such an aggressive reminder of how much crap you've accumulated over your life. <laughs> you know, you're in your apartment. You're always like, oh, where's my pizza cutter? I don't have one or whatever. And then you go to move and you find in a random drawer like six pizza cutters. And you're thinking, where have these been? How do I have all of these? Yeah, no, I, I feel exactly the same way. And actually, a part of this specific move I'm making, because it's across the country, I'm throwing away so much stuff and just like starting fresh in the Midwest. So I'm really feeling emotional as I let go of a few of these items. Like, uh, you know how you like to keep your old like cell phones? Mm -hmm. I'm throwing a lot of those away. I'm like, you know what? Why do I keep these? I've kept them because it's been easy to move them two hours from Hartford back to Providence, back to to Boston. I'm not bringing this old cell phone with me to St. Louis. I'm sorry. Well, let's be conscious in our uh, getting rid of things. Recycle or donate, Tom? True. Well, yeah, I'm leaving them with my roommates, and I'm saying you guys do do the right thing with them. <laughs> your old <laughs> cell phones you're leaving with your roommates? That seems like well, a disaster. A lot of stuff. Not just those, but uh, a lot of stuff. And one more thing on the packing. I actually, and I'll, I'll tweet some of this stuff out. Uh, I'm finding some stuff that will be very uh, controversial if I bring them to St. Louis. There's uh, three items in particular I have found. 
and uh, I'll tweet them out, and I'll tweet them at you, and you can tell me if I should bring them into St. Louis. Uh, if I had to guess, I would wager that they're from the years oh one oh four thirteen. Uh, yep, they they do have some uh, connections to those areas. Okay, yeah, you would, Tom, have something having to do with Spygate and the Patriots beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. You would, Tom, have something to do with the Red Sox breaking the curse and celebrating at Bushidum. And you, of course, would have something from 2013 when the Cardinals wrapped up a World Series championship in a pretty package and gifted it to the Red Sox. I, th- I think you'd be surprised at the three items that, you know, they are related in a way to those things, but they're not fully related. So you'll see. You'll have to check my social media, at your boy TC Fresh. Boom, plug. <laughs> oh, my God. Deep tease. Intrigue. All right, well, let's keep this moving. Three random things. Let's go. Okay. Okay. First random thing. Halloween is approaching. I love Halloween. It's one of the best holidays out there. Why? Primarily candy, okay? So I'm sitting there at an appointment the other day, and I tweeted this out, and it got a lot of traction, so I think we need to just drill into it here. So I'm sitting there at this appointment, you know, in the waiting room, and I look to my left on the table next to me, and there is a big bowl of candy. And at the top, what do we have? fun size Kit Kats. And I was like, you know what? I could use a snack. I'll go ahead and eat one. And as I'm savoring the Kit Kat, I'm thinking, great candy, but not a tier one Halloween candy. And what do I mean by tier one? So when you really do like a hard breakout of Halloween candies, you you think of tier one as the maybe three to five pieces of candy when you reach in your bag that you're always looking for. If I grab a Kit Kat, I'll be like, "Mm, is now the time? I don't know. Whereas a tier one candy, you pull it out and you're like, yes, this is exactly what I was hoping to get out of this grab bag. Okay. So where are you at with your tiers? All right. So that's what I want to really break out with you today. I'm going to give you my tier one candies and you tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. Okay. Because this got a lot of comments. People were very upset with my choices. Yeah. I saw some of it, but uh, give me some refreshers because I, I remember being upset by at least one or two It was either omissions or additions. I forget which ones I was mad about. All right, let's discuss. Here's what I have. Tier one Halloween candies. Number one, Twix. No one's ever been mad at Twix. Okay, so number one, like that's the goat candy or all everything on the tier is equal. It's like... It's just like, this is the tier. These are the five best, uh, in, not in any order. I mean, I'm sure it's human nature to want to seed one of these candies above another. But for consistency's sake, let's just say all of these are just tier one candies. Good. It's like it's like we're ranking quarterbacks or like players across generations. We don't want to rank them because it's not fair. Right. Put them in tiers. I respect it. So I have Twix as my number one on the list tier one candy. But number two, I have the Starburst two-pack. And obviously, it's very hard to compare a chocolatey caramel. Caramelly candy to a Starburst fruit candy. You know what I mean? So okay. that's why let's just keep them together. Okay. For sure. So backing up, Twix. No one's ever been mad at a Twix. Even double that. No one's ever been mad at a fun size Twix. Okay. It's just the perfect little two bite snack. Then we're going to go Starburst two pack. I know this is controversial because what about the risk of a double yellow? But the risk, reward, suspense, possible combo variations of the Starburst two-pack or what puts it in the first tier. I mean, Starbursts are great alone, but you don't know if you're going to get a double yellow. You could get a double pink. You could get a pink and a yellow and then you eat them together and boom, it tastes like pink lemonade. (laughs) 
Okay, uh, I'll let you go through your whole tier, and then I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna really rip into that one. I'm gonna be honest. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> then we're going to one of the goats, the classics of candies, a Reese's peanut butter cup. You can't ever deny a Reese's peanut butter cup, especially in a Halloween fun size bite. Then we're gonna go Butterfinger because. I know a lot of people are going to say, what about Snickers? What about Milky Way? The Butterfinger brings that unique flavor combo that you're not going to get with a lot of other candies. And it has a surprising crunch. There's a texture there. And finally, Skittles. Again, like the Starburst, you can mix and mix the flavors. With Skittles, you're getting the most bang for your buck, right? You're getting, what, 20, 30 pieces of of bite-sized candy in one little package? Okay. Let's just start here. Snickers needs to be a tier one candy. Why? I mean... Snickers is the best. It's you get the peanut butter, you get the chocolate, you get you get the the, the smooth texture of it. it. You know, it's 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 the perfect candy bite. And I, I should have prefaced everything. I am not a big sweets guy, but for Tom. the purposes of this conversation, I am going to just you know dive in here. We Quick can talk aside. about that another time. You are Snickers sweet. needs it's, to the be The jig is one. up, Tom. We know you're a sweets guy. The jig <laughs> I'm is not up. Not a big sweets guy. All right, keep going. Snickers. It's really blasphemy that you didn't put them in there. Because okay? of the nougat. It's the nougat, Tom. No, you're so wrong here. That right <laughs> right away, it just almost makes your list. It should be disqualified. Oh, Tom, nougat is a tier four ingredient. If you're com- <laughs> if you're competing, if you're having How dare you? <laughs> if you're having Snickers and Twix go head to head, when you look at Twix, you're like, oh my gosh, you've got this amazing smooth caramel, chocolate, and a crunchy cookie inside. No. If you're talking Snickers, sure, you have a lot of those components. You have the caramel, the peanuts, the chocolate, but then you get the nougat. Like, who independently ever says, you know what I want to eat today? Something with nougat inside. Okay, but it, it's like any good. I don't know, dip or sauce. Individually, the ingredient might not be great, but everything together is is a perfect blend. You know, like sometimes you need to throw some nougat in there to make the whole thing work. Agreed. It's kind of like having like a like a really good sixth man on a basketball team. You know, like <laughs> nougat is the, the sixth Celtics man. The '86 had Bill Walton. No one, no one thinks of Bill Walton as being the best player on that team, but they don't win that championship without him. Probably. Wait, is Bill Walton the nougat in NBA history? <laughs> For that one season, I would say yes. Before, I mean, his Blazers years, he was very good. That was just an <laughs> example of one sixth man. I don't know. We could co- probably come up with a better one. All right, uh, keep let's going. do a Rams example. I don't know. Ricky Prohl is the nougat of of the one of the two thousand Rams. How about that? Ninety nine Rams. That's a really effective comparison, Tom. <laughs> Ricky Prohl was the nougat. You know, he yeah, ninety nine Rams. That was Ricky Prohl. Except I don't agree with your with your entire <laughs> nougat premise. But if I'm on board with it, yes, Ricky Prohl, nougat guy. Okay, so there we go. You're wrong. <laughs> that's not having Snickers. But okay, I'll give you I'll give you two props before I rip down the Starburst thing. Okay, great. Uh, Reese's obviously needs to be on there. Reese's is just e- extremely good, and uh, I love Twix. Like I'm not I'm not knocking Twix by saying that Snickers should be on there. I, I feel like you were putting those two head to head, and maybe that's because they're rivals in some degree. But I think all three of those candies are definitive tier one candies. Snickers, Reese's, and Twix. You say are unmovable. Three yes. tier one candies. Yep, they right. are the George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin of the founding fathers. You know, you need those three. And okay. then from there, I will put a fruit candy on the list. I'm going with Tootsie Roll Pops. Hmm. Tootsie Roll Pops are a great addition to any Halloween bag. 
because normally when you go to the door, they'll give you two to three. So right, right away, you're not just getting one piece. You're automatically getting at least two most of the time. And, I mean, it's just the perfect blend of fruity. And then when it's done, you crunch down a little bit and you got a little chocolate surprise in there. Okay, so I sneaky very much agree with you on Tootsie Pops, but the way that I look at Tootsie Pops is that they're a supplemental candy, right? I'm talking when you go to the store to buy Halloween candy, you would look at Tootsie Pops as something that you additionally grab and throw in the cart and say, mm, the kids would enjoy this. It's not what you're going as your foundational base to put in the bowl. Yeah, you know what? That is a good point. I, I will give you that. I feel like it's kind of like the... You know the, the brown chips and the Chex Mix? Yes. That's what they are for a Halloween bucket that you have at your door. They are, they're the brown chips to the Chex Mix. I'm going to take it one step further and say that Tootsie Roll Pops and the Halloween Bowl are actually like the M&M's and the Trail Mix. Ooh, okay. I like that. You yeah, know what sure. I mean? Can that's I also... more of a universal uh, understanding there, so that, that's good by you. I, I feel like Chex Mix might be more niche. <laughs> uh, is it niche or niche? Uh, I, I, I changed my mind on it a lot. Today right. it's niche. All right. Today it's niche. I'm going to stick with <laughs> niche. Um, can I throw one more thing at you before you round out your tier one? Sure. The flavored Tootsie Rolls that you get at parades, the Fruities. Oh, uh, those are good. Yes, I agree. I think those need to be worked in more Halloween bowls. I kind of yeah. don't understand why they're not. Everybody loves a fruity. And why are they just kind of parade dependent? You know, you really only mm-hmm. see them when you're picking them up off the ground. Or like around from a float. Easter, you'll see them, you know, like in an Easter egg. Great point. Totally. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for my fifth, I'm going to go with peanut M&M's. Go on. And that's all I need to say. I mean, come on. Peanut M&M's are amazing. They have like this nice, like roasted type flavor to them. They're crunchy. You get the peanut in there. I mean, I guess my tier is very dependent on if you're allergic to peanuts because I have Snickers, I got Reese's, I got peanut M&M's in there. But the reason why I like peanut M&M's more than regular M&M's overall is that it's a bigger piece of candy. So you get less, but I feel like you're getting more bang for your buck in that package because they're a little bit bigger and it's just like more of a flavor profile in your mouth. You know, you get a lot of different elements as opposed to just that plain chocolate bite that you get. Um, so I go peanut M&M's there over regular M&M's. All right. So I actually like your list. Everything you have on there, I think, is really strong. Uh, peanut M&M's are obviously great. But I do have one problem with it. You're so chocolate heavy. Every single thing that you chose has chocolate. You really have no fruit candy option. And I think if you're talking about tears, fruit candy options are almost better a lot of times than a chocolate combo option. <laughs> Okay, so it's funny you say that because I am a fruit candy guy. Like, when I skew sweets, I skew sour sweets. Like, I'm a sour guy. Mm -hmm. But I'm just trying to appeal to the masses here. Like, if I'm doing my personal, like, five candy ranking, like, it's going to be weird as hell, and no one is going to be on board with me. I did the same thing. What I think is universally tier ones, not just yeah. me me personally. But I also think you can't have a complete tier one of Halloween candy without a strictly fruit candy in there. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like chocolate is kind of the king when it comes to the candy world. And you just got to accept that and move on. But, okay, can I just debunk your Starburst thing real quick? Go for it. Okay, Starburst 2-pack? Are you serious? Oh, I'm dead like, serious. Okay, if you're going to eat Starburst... You don't want just two. 
Like, anytime I get Starburst, I want, like, at least five pieces, maybe more. So if I'm going, if I'm going like, a fruit coffee type thing, I want Airheads. Airheads are the, you know, the long ones. It's basically like if you took four or five Starbursts and you just flattened them out and you put them in a package. And then you have the surprise element because you always have the white flavor. You open that up, you never know what you're going to get. It's always cherry. Yeah, well, mm, let's let's not just generalize here, okay? They they do a good job over at the Airhead Company of, of switching it up. <laughs> Shout out Airhead. Uh, hey, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, feel free. Sponsor um, me. So, I, I mean, Starburst 2-Pack is a wild, wild take to put on Tier 1. Like, look, Starbursts are great, but in the fun size format, it's not enough, you know? Like, it, it, that would be like if Steven Spielberg was making, like, one minute YouTube videos. It'd be like, really? Like, this isn't what you do. You make feature length films. I want to watch a full Spielberg movie. I'm not going to watch, you know, a, a vine from Spielberg. You know, give me a full pack. I, I, Starburst is a great king size candy. When you're in like one of those rich neighborhoods with your pillowcases walking around house to house and you get a king size Starburst, that's a good find. But the two pack, get out of here with that. That's, that's bogus. Okay, this is such a bizarre take because every candy that we're discussing is in a fun size. So, yeah, are two regular-sized Twix better than one fun-sized Twix? Duh. Regular size or king size is better in any format. I full-heartedly disagree. Chocolate is so rich that a fun size amount of it is a perfect amount to me. My whole, my whole point of the two pack is the it's the roulette aspect to it. It's which Ugh. two am I going to get? You want to talk about mystery airheads? The mystery is in the Starburst two pack. I mean, I know no. the airhead. I'm going to get cherry every time. You're going to get cherry every time. <laughs> it's cherry every time. That that's so rude. It's not. It's accurate. If you get a Starburst two pack and it's two pinks, it's like you hit the damn lottery. You got the Mega Millions. <laughs> Well, you're not even correct in that because I personally believe red is the best flavor of Starburst. You're out of your mind. Pink <laughs> is clearly the goat in, no, in the Starburst red, family. Red, orange, pink, yellow. That's the power ranking. Red, orange, pink, yep. yellow? Yep. It's, that's the power ranking. Tom, the only ranking that is accepted is pink, red, orange, yellow. No way. Get out of here with that. Pink and yellow are both kind of meh. All right, let's move it on to random thing number two. We mentioned the Mega Millions, and we've got to talk about it. So did you buy Mega Millions tickets, Tom? It was up to $1.6 billion last night. I did not. Okay, lame. I, of course, bought them. <laughs> I did the random selection and then picked my own numbers. I did not win. They said the winning ticket was somewhere in South Carolina, so shout out South Carolina. But as I'm standing in line to buy these Mega Millions tickets, I mean, the gas station was slammed it was packed and everyone standing in line was having this conversation what would be the first thing you do if you won the mega millions like not something like 900 million dollars and everyone was saying oh i'd buy a house or oh i'd quit my job or this or that and i'm thinking to myself these are all lame responses when you get that check initially the last thing you're thinking about is what's the most practical thing i can do with this you're thinking what is something awesome that i can do in this immediate moment to celebrate how ridiculous wealthy I am now. So, Tom, I pose the question to you. You're in South Carolina. You get the winning Mega Millions ticket. What's the first ridiculous thing you do with that money? Okay, so I win the Mega Millions, right? And this is the first thing I'm going to do. 
so I have this thing with my roommates who, you know, I'm now leaving, but <laughs> they uh, wouldn't join a lottery pool with me. I wanted to get a lottery pool going a few months ago, and they were all really stupid about it. They didn't really understand the concept of it. I was like, look, you give money every week, and we all buy, you know, a certain number every week. And then you're in it every week. And they're like, well, that's a waste of money. I'm like, well, it's really not that much money. It, it, accounts, it, it comes up to like $100 a year for everybody. It's nothing. And they were stupid, and I'm still mad at them about it. So if I win this Mega Millions, first thing I'm doing is I'm buying the house that I was currently living in in Boston. I'm knocking it down, and I'm building a parking garage. So they all have to move and figure out their, their crap. Because screw them. They're stupid for not going in on the lottery with me. <laughs> then I'm taking a helicopter and I'm flying to New York City, and I'm having the best steak I can possibly have, and I'm getting everything on the menu, and I'm getting super wasted, okay? (laughs) Then I'm flying back to Boston, I'm getting courtside seats to the Celtics, and I'm drinking tons of beer. I mean, it's going to be a reckless night. Then I'm taking a car service down to Twin River in Lincoln, Rhode Island, and uh, I'm just going casino heavy the rest of the night. And I'm giving myself like a $10,000 limit, and I'm just going hard. And then I'll wake up and figure out what I'm doing after that. That is what I do within the first 48 hours. Okay. Well, the first portion of this is hilarious <laughs> because I didn't think you would be that vindictive with your money. but I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to respect it. Uh, and, you know, the second and third portions of that, Tom, you can drink a lot of beers and go to Celtics games now. No, but I can't sit courtside. That's different. I've never sure. sat courtside in an NBA game. Oh, well, we'll have to do that one day. Oh, a thousand percent, yeah. I mean, Super I've down. never done it and don't have the means to get you there, <laughs> but I think we know enough people that we could just call in a favor one day. You know, we just Yeah, to... maybe like jaunt up to Chicago or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know peeps up in Chicago. Maybe we yeah, could do that. Yeah, the Bulls suck. Yeah, I mean... We'll figure it out at some point. Uh, All right. Well, what would you do, Michelle? Okay. So I was thinking about this when I'm in the gas station and I'm like, all right, well, I have all this money, right? I'm going to get like 900 plus million dollars, which puts me in a really elite category. All of a sudden, you're catapulted into this. I can get into all these places that other people can't get into, right? You, you've got that exclusivity about you. So I said, you know what I want to do is I'm getting a PJ, I'm getting a private jet, I'm picking up my dad, and we're flying to Augusta, Georgia. And I'm walking up to the Masters, I'm walking up to Augusta with a blank check, and I'm saying, clear it out. We're playing here today. <laughs> And I'm going to say, and I also want a specific person at every hole for us. And I'm going to be like, hey, we want a John Daly and a Turkey Club. Make it happen. My dad wants to try and Tiger's Green Jacket. Make it happen. Because I feel like Augusta is one of those places where they don't really care about your money. They only care about the prestige, right? It's, it's mm. oh, you have to follow the rules to get in. So I want to go to a place where I can say, no, 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 here's my check. The rules don't apply to me or my dad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if you have enough money, you can do stuff like that. So I respect the hell out of that. I would I would flex like that so hard. Oh, my God. I would run out of money so fast. You would. I'd be the worst person to win the lottery. That's a great call, Michelle. I would, like, I would fly to the Super Bowl and just, like, hand Roger Goodell a check and be like, I'm going on the field when the Patriots win. And then, like, I'm just going to be the guy holding the trophy. Screw that. I have enough money. I would definitely try and buy a minority stake in one of the teams. Like one, you know how there's those guys that own like one percent of the team, and they get like pretty much nothing for it except just the ability to say like I own two percent of the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. 
I would be one of those guys for sure. Yeah, I would um, probably buy a stake in an NFL team, but would demand a seat at the owners' meetings and bring a bodyguard with me, and his only job would be to punch Stan Kroenke in the face. <laughs> and then you immediately sell your shares. You you spend, like, I don't know, however many millions of dollars to get, like, a 0.5% ownership in some random team, and then just for that one thing, and then you're like, all right, I'm out. Right. And then I would, after I sold my shares, take that money and fly a blimp around the new Rams stadium <laughs> and every home game that says, Stan's not rich, his wife is. Just like really hit him where, his, where it hurts. Or Stan Kroenke has money and his toupee is still terrible. Like, just chronically troll him. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that's a very good idea. That I mean, that should be what you do, even if you don't do the ridiculous buy 1% of a team to punch Stan Kroenke in the face at an owner's meeting. You know, you should just do that anyway. You know what's funny about this is that I was just thinking, you know, when we first developed this concept, what's something exclusive that I could then break into? But after you're vindictive, I'm going to boot my roommates out and build a parking <laughs> garage. You kind of got me in the vindictive spirit here, Tom. I'm telling you, I got so mad at them for not understanding the concept of the lottery pool. Because, actually, a few of our friends at, at ESPN were the ones that had been doing this for a while. And I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Because, like, you know, it's only a few bucks a week, and you, you're kind of just always in the mix. Like, who the hell knows? Maybe one day you'll be the person that wins the lottery. Who the hell knows? And, uh, I, you know, I lived with uh, four other guys, and I was like, this is the perfect number of people. They sell lottery tickets literally on our street, like four houses down from us. I'll go and do it every single week for us. And no one really understood what I was talking about. And I got so mad. So screw them. If I win, knocking down the house, building a parking garage. Yeah, but they're your friends, Tom. Do you really no, want to put not, them out on the not street? not when I win the lottery. They're not my friends. Oh, so you're going to buy new friends? <laughs> not, nope. I'm going to lose those. I'm going to lose those four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You would knock it down, build a parking garage, and then be like, all right, hop on the chopper. We're going to New York for a steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I'd be like, yeah, guys, funny joke, right? All right, come with me to New York. We're getting a good steak. That's a good point. It's a pretty expensive troll job, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, oh, uh, let's move it on to random thing number three. You know what we haven't done in a while, Tom? What? Trending up, trending down. Yeah, it's true. Well, it's because you were, you know, world traveling the last month or so. That's true. So, Tom, in your orbit, in your world, what is trending up or trending down? Give it to me. So not to keep talking about my roommates, but trending up for me is uh, all-you-can-eat tacos. Um, last night, we, which was my final night living right in the neighborhood that I live in, uh, we went to Margarita's, which is the name of the restaurant, and we did $10 all-you-can-eat tacos to see who could be the taco-eating champion, and I ate 14 tacos. What? I ate 14 tacos in 90 minutes. <laughs> Tom, I'm, I, I mean, I get paid to talk for a living, and I'm literally speechless. <laughs> so I always had said, man, like, all-you-can-eat tacos, great idea. You know, you go there, you maybe have th between three and six tacos. But I really put my pedal to the metal here, and every single one of those 14 was high quality. They did a fantastic job in the kitchen. Uh, very simple, ground beef, shredded lettuce. Diced tomatoes, cheese no. on a flour tortilla. No sour and, cream? Uh, I, I didn't add. So that, that's how they come, and then you can get a sour cream on the side. Okay. You can add jalapenos. Uh, you get rice and beans with the first plate. 
But to win the competition, I decided I'm going full, just plain. I didn't add hot sauce, which, you know, I'm a big sauce guy. Um, I just went for it. And, I mean, all-you-can-eat tacos completely lived up to the hype. And I, I don't know if you if I said it already, but I won by eating 14. Um, I really pushed everyone else to the limit. Everyone else thought they could, you know, eat maybe 9, 10, 11. It was like, nope. You're going to have to eat 14 to win, my friends. What was second place? 13 and a half. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yep. So they, the, they come out in place of three. And so I made it to the, the, the 15 plate, if you will, 13, 14, 15. And I ate my 14th, and I said, you know what? I'm probably good here. The guy next to me was on his 15th plate. So I had my 15th taco ready to go. I didn't think he would be able to get past 14. But if he did make it past, I would have crushed the 15th. So I had it there. It was staring him in the face. Basically, this guy was looking at it going, if I finish my 14th, I'm still not going to win because Tom is going to eat that taco right in my face. So it was it was a supreme power move by me. It's one of my proudest accomplishments that I've had in the past few years. Uh, 14 tacos, taco-eating champion. Uh, may I just reshift then the trending up? Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at it through a different prism because I feel like all you can eat tacos is never really trending down. So I would like to amend that trending up is your appetite. (laughs) So I I did train the entire day by only eating uh, a small amount of popcorn for lunch. I was very hungry going into this. And I know a lot of people are like, no, you know, that'll make your stomach smaller heading into it. And I was like, no, no. That's not how I roll. I just need to be really hungry, and I'll, I'll be able to ball out. I mean, I'm impressed. I'm kind of disgusted, but I'm also <laughs> proud. Look, I mean, if I put my mind to it, I can pretty much do anything when it comes to eating or drinking. And, yeah, I kind of just, you know, I went out a champion. You know, my last night in, in Greater Boston, I went out and I did my thing. Good job, Tom. I also am picking something that's trending up in my world, so we're being okay. really, really positive today on the pod. Yeah, there we go. Um, so my trending up is Ariana Grande, and you might be like, Ariana Grande, huh? Well, I was never really a big fan of hers. It's not that I disliked her. I just didn't love her music. I didn't really understand why she only rocked the high pony. She seemed to talk in a baby voice a lot, which I found to be off-putting, especially because when she kind of would let her guard down, she would speak like a normal human human so i didn't understand why she would put that baby tone on it really weirded Mm. me out uh you know her music was okay but a little poppy for my liking so she comes out with sweetener this is the first step in in ariana you know changing the tide for me she comes out with sweetener and my friend stephanie who i went to italy with was a big fan of ariana grande and made me listen to the album and i actually liked it there was a really good cover a regina specter cover of good night and go that i loved and she had a great song pete davidson about her then fiance so i was like okay so okay some songs i can rock with with ariana grande so then unfortunately mac miller her ex-boyfriend overdoses right and rest in peace r.i.p mac miller and i just thought it was so unfair that internet trolls in any way came at her and blamed her for his death 
addiction is a disease. It's you don't know the intricacies of their relationship from from everything we've heard. It sounds like she really tried to get him help and really was there as a support system for him and loved him. But sometimes you you can't help someone. They have to help themselves. So it sounded like a really tragic situation that she was involved in. And it was so unfair to in any way blame her or come at her for that. Uh, So props to her for maintaining her cool and really just not listening to any of the haters or trolls in that fashion. So again, trending up. And then finally, you know, this Pete Davidson thing was just really bizarre. I never understood them together. I'm not one to judge other people's relationships. You do you. But the whole thing just seemed kind of contrived and really weird. And so when I heard she called off the engagement, I thought, you know what? You go, Ariana. This is not the time for you to be making a big life decision when you're dealing with something very emotional. Uh, you, you know, you had her family coming out saying, yeah, we thought that that was a bad idea and she's taking some time for herself. So I, I think that's great. You build yourself up and when you're ready, you're going to land a great guy and a great relationship. Take that time to heal. And also, I know this is so unfair because I hate Twitter trolls, but after I read that thing, I think it was on Barstool about Pete Davidson where they called him butthole eyes, I could just <laughs> never view him the same same mm, that's a very good point and, and you know what quick shouts to pete davidson for riding that wave i mean ariana grande super talented super hot uh and just you know getting in there and just you know you know what i'm just gonna ride this wave and let her figure this out eventually that it's a really bad decision because i'm kind of an ugly weird looking guy uh and i don't actually you know i'm personally not a big pete davidson fan mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's that funny mm-hmm. i don't really get his appeal mm-hmm. so he just got in there and was like yeah i'm just gonna ride this wave so congrats to him for making it however many months he did um you know i i actually have never really hated ariana grande I, i've always kind of jammed with her music i think you know you put on some ariana grande at the bar people get kind of hyped so i've always kind of bet on this ariana grande train so I'm kind of glad you're aboard with me. Yeah, scoot over, um, save me a seat. <laughs> I, I, you know, I am I am a fan of everything you said. Uh, I liked Mac Miller. You know that you know that was kind of sad when that happened. Uh, so yeah, good good call here. I, I I'm glad that she's trending up in your world. And shouts to Stephanie for showing you uh, some great tunes. So I guess the next time we record a podcast, you're going to be live in studio with me, right? Weird. Very weird. Bizarre. It's going to take I, I, some adjusting, but it's going to be great. Yeah. I don't even really know how we're going to do it. I, like, I, It's going to be so strange. <laughs> I'm so used to being on the phone at this point. I don't know. Uh, I think you'll just sit in here with me, and we'll turn on the mics, and we'll talk. That's how I think we'll get it done. Okay. Okay. Sure. Take it one step at a time, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Safe travels. I will see you here in the loose soon, but we got to keep it moving and checking with my guy, Izzy Gutierrez. I think he's on a party bus or something heading to a festival. So his time is limited, uh, but we're going to catch up with him next. Take 101 ESPN on the go with the all-new 101 Sports app. See the latest videos, listen to podcasts, and join the conversation with the 101 Sports app. Welcome back into Small Talk. Let's not waste any time. Let's get our guest for this week on the line. It's Izzy Gutierrez. You've seen him on Around the Horn. You've seen him on Highly Questionable on the Dan Lebetard Show. You've heard him on ESPN Radio. You've seen him on the NBA sidelines. He's everywhere. Right now, we actually think he's on a bus heading to a music festival in Florida somewhere. We're going to talk to him about that a little bit later. Hey, Iz. Thanks for taking the time today. How you been? Hey, Michelle. How are you? Uh, 
I've been well, Izzy, but I got to tell you, I have Halloween on the brain. You know, before you jumped on, Tom and I, our producer, we were, you know, ranking Halloween candies kind of into quarterback tiers. And I thought, okay, Halloween is on the horizon. I want to talk costumes. And the only person that I know that is like the king of costumes is you, Izzy. Yeah, it's it's so weird, too, because I was never a Halloween person like growing up. I remember one year I was so lazy where I just got like one of my uncle's suit jackets and because it was oversized when I was a kid and I just wore a bunch of like oversized clothes and said I was a homeless person (laughs) just so I can go around (laughs) and get some candy and so (laughs) Halloween was never really a a great interest of mine and then um, you know over the years I've been watching around the horn and I caught a handful of the Halloween episodes and thought they were great Uh, never really thought I'd be part of one never really you know, I aspired to do so. Um, even the first year I was on Around the Horn, which was in 08, um, you know, didn't really ask, wasn't interested. And then in 2012, when I got back on the show, I was like, you know what, why the heck not? Like, I feel like I'm a little bit of a different person, like better known, at least a little bit known by then. And so it wouldn't have been a big, you know, shock whether I do well or do poorly. <laughs> I was like, what the heck, let me just do this. If I bomb, I bomb. But it was 2012, and it was an election year, obviously Obama's re-election year. And I decided, you know what, people tell me I kind of look like him. I'll just add a little, you know, points of emphasis. And uh, around the horn, producers came up with the idea of having a Secret Service agent behind me because um, it'd be funny. And I was like, that's great. And, you know, it, it, it adds to the bit, right, when you can add a different element to it. So I just asked my only bald friend. Uh, Greg Williams to be uh, to put on a black suit and uh, get some sunglasses and come with me to shoot the show, and we did really well. Like it was, it was fun. It was funny. Um, you know, Secret Service Greg did, did a good little bit of acting himself, and so and we lost. Which remind me to get back to this point uh, of me losing this year. Um, we lost to the ghost of Al Davis, played by, <laughs> played by Tim Cowlishaw, um, who did a great Al Davis impression, and then they just put that, like, reverb effect to make it sound like he was coming from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. And so, because they put so much work into that, I think in part because I was so new to the show, or that's my first Halloween anyway, um, show, they, you know, gave the ghost of Al Davis the win. And, but that sort of set me on a, you know, <laughs> sort of motivated, motivated me, if you will, to get back on the show next year on Halloween and actually win it. Okay, so for those who haven't seen it, or if they have, we should just run down the list of some of the characters you've transformed into on Around the Horn. I can, I can, go, through, I can go through it chronologically oh, here. Oh, so yes, like, can you please? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> the reason being is because... You know, when I mentioned that I wouldn't, <clears throat> that I wanted to win it the next year, um, my character choice was still odd, I think, to most people. Um, I chose to be Justin Bieber at a Heat game. <laughs> Specifically, Justin Bieber at a Heat game, because that year uh, he had shown up to a, a Heat game, was sitting in the front or near the front on a baseline seat, and was wearing uh, a leather t shirt, like a leather shirt. Um, sunglasses that he never took off the entire evening, 
inside of the arena, enclosed arena, <laughs> and and his eyebrows, and he was wearing a Miami Heat hat, and his eyebrows in every image you saw were raised to the sky, like above <laughs> above the sunglasses. And I said, you know what? I can definitely pull off that look. I could just get one of those fake tattoo sleeves and some oversized chains because he wore some chains on top of that leather. Uh, I got a pleather shirt and, you know, a Miami Heat hat. Not the same as him because his cost $750. The hat? Yeah, the hat alone. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so I... I went on there and I just kind of, you know, made my voice a little bit higher and kind of talked like a pre-teen, if you will, or a teen going through puberty. And uh, and I won the show and then I, you know, finished it off with a song to Jackie McMullen, you know, in Justin Bieber voice and, you know, stayed in character the whole show, which is to that point, like a lot of these around the horn panelists didn't know what to do, right? Stay in character, get out of character, drop a joke here or there, or just give sports knowledge. I just went all in with the character the whole time, never... Never left character and never really talked sports that much, but uh, they loved it. And then so I went from that to uh, I was Drake. I don't know if that was the very next year. Yeah, I think it was. I was Drake, um, which I think visually was pretty easy. Um, and then I was Tony Reale, I believe, um, the year after that. And that was fun, just kind of mirroring him the whole time. And then uh, I was Conor McGregor. Uh, which was very, very, very difficult to pull off, like, visually. Like, that was probably about total 12 hours of of prep. Like, this one good friend of mine, Marcy, drawing the tattoos onto me, and then, uh, you know, other people doing the hair for me and stuff. So um, that was crazy. And then last year I was The Rock. I mean, you fully commit to this, Izzy. How long do you think about this in advance as you're leading up to the Halloween episode? Well, honestly, it just depends on the year because, like, a lot of those, like the Drake, Drake, I think I thought of pretty early. McGregor, I, I, I literally figured that out in February of that year. And because I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, once they asked for the idea, they were like skeptical, but I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, even this year, this year, honestly, what's today? Uh, it's just a few days before Halloween. And I only yesterday, finalized my idea and it's been nerve-wracking and based on my choice which i can't give away i'm sorry not even to you michelle um based on my choice it will easily be the most nervous i'll be leading up to it and um if i pull it off yeah the best one i've done Ooh, okay. Uh, at least, at least it would rival McGregor. It would rival. Oh, okay. Now, of course, I'm dying to know. So, when you say you're nervous about it, is it uh, because of the character you have to play? Is it because of just the general choice? You know, people will have to buy into it. What are you nervous about? All of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Can you give us one hint? Um, man, I think the hint that I can give you is that if I gave you a hint. It would be too much. Oh wow, that is so good. I guess I can give you. I guess I can give you one hint. It's, okay. it's um, non-sports figure. Okay. One more question about this: Does this costume? Is there a lot of legwork that goes into it? Into this? Are you asking for one more hint? Well, I'm just. Will it be like? <laughs> will it be one of those things like Conor McGregor where it's like a 12-hour transformation? No. Okay. No. All right. 
All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Everyone will have to tune into that. Okay. So speaking of legwork, random transition here. I went to Google you today, and one of the first things that comes up when you type in Izzy Gutierrez is Izzy Gutierrez workout. Do you know that all of these people out in the interwebs are trying to mimic your workouts? Um, no, I did, I did not know that. Um, man, this is a missed opportunity to be able to sell some sort of workout plan that I come up with. I mean, we got to get you endorsed by Beachbody or something. I, I literally type um, in your name and, and it's like, Izzy Gutierrez, your, your full name. And then it's like workout. And then I think the next thing is flag football, which we're going to touch on later. But I thought, wow, there's a certain, you know, there's a thread here, a branding thread that we really need to capitalize on. I'm going to need you to say that louder and in front of a lot of important people, okay? That sentence about Beachbody and getting me an endorsement deal, okay? Oh, I'm on. I'm on it. Give me like 6% and I'm in. I will make it happen. Oh, seven. <laughs> seven. Deal. Okay, so I think people are thinking, I think why? I'm negotiating backwards. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, sure, you can absolutely give me more money. Is I'll take it. But, okay, so everyone's like, why are people Googling Izzy's workout? It's because if you then click the next tab over and go to images, you're going to see a plethora of photos from, I believe it was Men's Fitness, right, Is Yeah, Men's Fitness. Men's uh, Fitness. Yep, Men's Fitness. There was a huge article, a spread about Izzy. And the photos from the photo shoot are unbelievable. I mean, Izzy looks like the most ripped, jacked dude you've ever seen in your life. And my personal favorite photo is you laying shirtless along <laughs> some train tracks. What, that's unusual? No, it's very casual. You know, I, I've seen it often, just never done that well. Um, so I need you to take me through that photo shoot because I just recently did a photo shoot. I posted some of the photos on Instagram and I was so terrible at it, Izzy. They kept saying, okay, look this way and do that. And I just look so awkward and uncomfortable. And I, I look at these pictures of you and I'm like, damn, he is just so bought in and he's giving me blue steel here. So tell me how you ended up shirtless on a train track and how I can get there, but with a shirt on. <laughs> So, had a buddy, I shouldn't say had, have a buddy uh, named Josh, who was coincidentally also on the flag football team, um, one of our better players, actually, and he was also a photographer. <clears throat> and, you know, I can't exactly pinpoint how the conversation started, but I, or who came up with it, or his suggestion, or mine. Um, because he was, you know, regularly uh, wanting to do photo shoots with anything or anybody, whatever. He was, um, you know, an aspiring photographer and still is a very good one. Um, but so we got to a point where we just kind of said, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll do it. Take a free photo shoot and you're going to go ahead and, you know, edit the photos and make me look good. And so I basically like that was, you know, we talked about it on and off every once in a while, right? Because we were football teammates, so we'd see each other all the time. Um, and then finally, we just set a date and said, hey, let's do it then. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, you know, I did a little <clears throat> workout plan, uh, like I was training for something. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I was eating great and was working out like crazy. And when I say eating great, I mean like a lot because it's really difficult to, to really pick up weight and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I got in to, at the time, had been the best shape of my life and is probably remains that um, because of the, the the bulk factor. Like I hadn't, like I, in those pictures, I know this is so corny, but 
And those pictures, I was like in the low 170s, and that's me adding about five solid pounds. Like, naturally, I'm sort of in the high 160s, which is where I am now. So, um, but all, all that was real, and there's no Photoshopping. The only Photoshopping that uh, Josh mentioned was um, evening out the skin tone and maybe my hair color maybe darkened a little bit. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> and so, you know, we did some stuff, and like I said, like I was down to do whatever, and so... You know, we went a bunch of places, and, you know, of course, sitting on a train track, shirtless and jeans and stuff seemed odd, but, you know, I was running with it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we went to my buddy Kit's house, and he's got a beautiful house on the intercoastal in Fort Lauderdale, and we went to his pool and did some shots there. And um, the blue steel stuff is really just the result of me looking into the sun, <laughs> because it was really bright this day. I'm not, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to, you know, having photos taken of me. So, you know, I was just trying to flex all the right times and, and then and just kind of not really, you know, try to do too much. And so that look that you're seeing in almost every picture is me trying to, you know, keep my eyes open because the sun is blinding me. Okay, so that's the secret tip, is that I just need to have someone shine a light in my face the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, a light, the strength of the sun. <laughs> and if you'll notice in one of those, like, I'm on, I'm, I'm against a completely white wall. Like, it is that, you know, so it's, it's a reflection on top of everything else. It's just, oof. It was painful. Okay, so Izzy, you mentioned flag football, and I, I know you've talked about it on various platforms, but I don't think everybody understands that you're not only ripped because you're in shirtless photo shoots, but it's because you're an actual incredible athlete yourself, and you're very involved and competitive in flag football. So this is the part of the podcast where I let you brag about your athletic <laughs> prowess. So this is actually kind of a sore spot for me at the moment. Oh, um, no. Yeah, no, it's just... So it's not that I'm like necessarily just getting older, although age, you know, I'm 41, so it's not like I'm a, I'm a spring chicken or anything. But lately, like literally for the past year now, I've had a hamstring issue that I just, and I can't, I'll say won't let it go away, uh, but won't go away, but it's really me not letting it go away because I keep, you know, not resting enough and whatever. And so I just feel really slow and unathletic right now. And then I like, I'm, you know, I'm playing against a bunch of 20 something year olds and, you know, pretty damn talented ones at that. So I kind of have to pick my spots these days. So, um, I'm going to go back in time then a little bit, like maybe right. two or three or four years. Let's do it. And so when I really got seriously into it, cause you know, it's a, it's an LGBT league here in Fort Lauderdale uh, locally, but it's a national league. And, um, you know, I've been since I came out at least to my friends and family, back in 2009, you know, I was in, suddenly with a new group of friends socially and had heard about the football league, and I stayed away from it for a couple of years, uh, two or three years or so, be, just because, uh, you know, hadn't heard all the greatest things about it, and I was like, you know what, let me just go play and see see, uh, see how fun it is and see if it keeps my interest, and you know, it was great. Like, it was great right off the bat, and... Um, you know, the more I finally got adjusted to running in cleats again, because I'll tell you what, like, there's a lot to the groin when you're not used to running in, <laughs> in cleats. Like, whew, that was painful. It's almost like a year's worth of a, a year's worth of adjustment to not be sore when you're uh, suddenly playing, you know, sprinting all the time in cleats. But um, so played then, and it was a little frustrating because, you know, I felt like I was one of the better receivers 
in the league, one of the faster players, and that quarterback that could not get me the ball. <laughs> and uh, and so it was, you know, a little annoying and frustrating. And then, but you know, it was really fun. Was sort of putting together travel teams because they kind of pieced together, you know, the better players in the league uh, to put them on the travel teams as long as they're you know wanting and willing to go. And so, you know, that was a lot of fun being considered, you know, good enough to at least play with the best players in the league. And like I said, it's a really high level. And, you know, we have a lot of talent down here in South Florida that we have in this league and we travel with and yet still haven't won one of these big tournaments that we travel to. I mean, we've won two of them, the tournament that we host down here in February every year called the Sunshine Cup, but we haven't really won a travel tournament. So it's all just, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's you know, currently, like, this is actually motivating me to – rebuild myself if you will to just get healthy and heal my hamstrings and you know sort of do more I'm, I'm not even kidding here like do more yoga and do more like stuff to just keep me flexible and keep this stuff from happening again because like I feel like I've got another good five six seven years left in me uh to as long as I'm healthy to to be able to play this and it's just it's a ton of fun like more than anything it's not really like about me bragging about how good I am because like I said you know, you put me up against half the players in this league and, you know, they'll beat me in a race and stuff like that. But um, it's just a great, like, league socially. It's awesome. It does great things for, you know, for our community. And it does great things for, you know, players or guys who, you know, grew up intimidated by sports or grew up intimidated by sort of the, the masculinity, the hyper-masculinity of the locker room and sort of the anti, you know, the homophobic stuff and everything else that's thrown around. And all of a sudden you have a league that's just like, not only teaching you a game that maybe you were interested in but wanted to stay away from, but were, you know, too intimidated to, to go play, you know, it gives you a safe space to go play and realize that, you know, your skill level is in the same as everybody else's. And so um, it's just been, it's been a great, you know, again, competitive sort of opportunity for me, but just an eye-opening and just a really cool experience. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And like you said, it's so, so important to have outlets like that. And I was recently having a conversation with some of my gay friends about this. And they asked me, why aren't more athletes out publicly? Because they said, I'm sure that there's more gay athletes that we just haven't heard from yet. And I kind of ran through the various layers of the onion of why a lot of people don't feel comfortable saying that publicly. And one of the things that I said was, I also feel like when you're on a team, you want to be part of the team. You don't want to do anything to kind of make yourself be separated stand in out, any way. Right. Yeah, to stand out or, or feel separate in any way. And that might be part of the intimidation factor is, hey, if I say this about myself, then I'm the only one standing to the left and everyone's standing to the right, etc. So I think that's awesome for people to have this this athletic outlet and be like, hey, this is me and we can we are all the same. We're all one. Yeah, I mean, there's so much truth to what you said and uh, I mean, there's just a lot of layers to it. <laughs> there's just a lot um, that, you know, a lot of reasons you could you could totally understand why, um, you know, players would re- prefer to remain closeted. Um, I think, you know, as someone who has gone through it, as someone who has spoken to so many people who have gone through this, there's there's a there's a whole monologue or dialogue that's going on inside of a closeted person's head that is so much more intense than what the reality actually is. Mm-hmm. But that's all you know because that's what, you know, you you believe. That's what you feel. That's what, you know, you're fearful of any little thing that's going to make it look like, you know, you may not be like everybody else. And so, 
while I think having been around now a lot of different, just different atmospheres and different types of people, let's say, and having, you know, told my story and have it heard, I've experienced, I believe that, you know, we are ready. We're beyond ready, frankly. Um, maybe they've had a little setback the last couple of years with this administration, but I personally don't think so because I think the, uh, the rebound effect is going to be so great mm-hmm. that it doesn't really matter. So I do think that, you know, I think we're ready, but I think to get inside the mind of a closeted professional player, like it's as if the reality is 10 times worse than it, than it will be. And so imagine, you know, yourself saying, Hey, why is it a big deal? Just say it. Now just imagine whatever you're feeling, just amplify it like, off a little bit of, of fear in there and then just amplify it by 20 and that's what the player's actually feeling and so um you know I, I just think the more the idea of gay is normalized the easier it'll become and so i you know take on a burden to try to do that myself and try to discuss everything that's part of my life as normally as anybody else would and not you know make it appear awkward or make anybody uncomfortable with it and just again just normalizing it So you had been out to your friends and family for a while, but then you wrote this really poignant blog post, you know, kind of an essay publicly, and you shared it to kind of put it out in your public life and your work life as well. And I think anytime someone who has a platform does that, you see this massive ripple effect. And so I'm just curious, when you took the leap to do that, how many people did you hear from that said thank you? And what was the response like? Because I'm sure when you did that, Izzy, you helped so many people say, hey, you know what? If Izzy can share this with the world, I can be myself as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um... It's kind of a difficult thing to even talk about (laughs) because I've had, you know, I've had a lot of people come up to me, um, you know, nightclub or at the basketball court or just walking, you know, anywhere in a restaurant. I had a few people, (laughs) sorry, had a few people tell me that, um, that, you know, me coming out and everything made it so much easier for them to. And it just made me realize how few sort of role models there are for guys like me. Excuse me. And how little it takes to, um, to be one. And so all of that was just, um, you know, it was kind of nerve wracking when it happened and, you know, the response was great, but I got a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I still get a lot of that. And I'm very proud of that. But um, like I said, it makes me realize how much uh, still needs to be done. Well, thanks for sharing that, Izzy. And you should be really proud of that because you're impacting people's lives in such a positive way. And it's it's commendable. And, and I really respect you for it. But, okay, I know that you're, you're actually getting on a bus right now, right, to go to a music festival <laughs> or something? To, um, not to, to take a hard a... laugh, but... Yeah, no, no, it's good. I, I needed that. <laughs> I needed the swerve. Um, I'm like, yeah, looking I'm at about the clock to head... here. <laughs> About to head to a music festival, um, and yeah, about to jump in an RV. Uh, apparently, my partner's having some problems with it at the moment, so I think we're trying to figure. He's trying to figure out what the issue is. Uh, so it's actually giving me a decent amount of time to talk without all that extra RV noise.
Okay, good. Well, before I let you go, there's one thing that I have to explain to people and then ask you. So uh, when I was producing for you and Sedano, the three of us got obsessed with the People versus OJ. We we were just so into it, and so was Amin Hassan. And so uh, the four of us, along with Marvin Prince, who worked on our show as well, we developed a podcast called Hoops and OJ that was, I mean, honestly, it was iconic. I think it was maybe one of the best things that ESPN ever did in the audio space. I mean, one of the best, the, the best and only pop-up podcast uh, I've ever, ever heard of. It was, I mean, it was great. It was really fun. Um, and so we have a group text called Hoops and OJ that's pretty active. I mean, we, we all keep in touch with one another, especially when the NBA is going on. You know, we'll be sending memes and stories and gifts and all of these things. Um, but you are the least active member in the group text. So I need you to tell me on a scale of one to ten, how annoyed are you by the Hoops and OJ group text? No, I'm not annoyed by it. It's just, all right, so here's how the evolution of my my texting life has happened. Um, so I didn't even get into this before, but um, I used to be fairly obsessed with keeping my text threads uh, on my phone, my iPhone, only as long as the screen. Like, I never wanted to have to scroll down. So whenever oh, wow. I found, yeah, so whenever I found... Uh, a text that, you know, didn't have any important information on it, just delete it right away. Or if it had important information on it, store that somewhere, delete it. Because I just didn't want to have all that craziness on there. And so, and so occasionally on those, like I would, I would sort of delete, right? And then I'd forget like what the, the whole thread was when people like continue in it. And I'm just like, I, I think I'm lost. I'm not even going to take part. Boom, I just keep deleting those. And then more recently what's happened is now, I feel like a crazy person because I've got so many text threads still open. Like I've got to scroll. Like I've got to now use the search engine on the top of the screen to find a text because I have so many. And now I feel like I've been misplacing or forgetting to respond to so many people's texts, not just that group. But you know, once again, once that group text gets started, like I can really drop in at any given time. I feel like I do. Sometimes, you know, Marv, I feel like Marv checks in on me just randomly just to see if I'm alive <laughs> totally. on a separate <laughs> But, uh, no, I've just been really bad with text lately. And I want to apologize to everybody, but I also know that it's because, like, I'm just distracted by real life. So I don't want to, uh, want to apologize too hard. I mean, not having it past the screen, Izzy, is some real OCD stuff that I appreciate. Right? I, and you know what? That makes me means I'm a less uptight person than I was several months ago because it's only now been changing. So I just scrolled all the way through my text because I just, mm-hmm. as you're saying this, I realize I keep a ridiculous amount of receipts. The The last text that I have all the way at the bottom is from May 22nd, 2014. <laughs> That's disgusting. Hey, what's that? What's that called where you put the, uh, where you set where everybody can see that they read your text? Oh, read receipts? Yeah, read receipts. You have that on or not? No, of course not. Because I is, ignore yeah, a lot not. of people. So, you know what? I'm going to start putting that on there. And I'm going to be like, you know what? It's I know you know I saw it. But the reason I haven't gotten back to you is for something, right? It's not I'm not ignoring you. Like this, it's, it's You know that sometimes I'll answer you right on time. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes it won't take me a day. I was uh, texting with Sedano earlier about the, gr- the group text question. And we both agreed, yeah. though, that when you do check into the group text, whoever sent the content that made you respond <laughs> were like, wow, we were really on it today. Izzy responded. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I feel like such a D-bag now. <laughs> no, not at all. You know what? I think that it's more impactful when you when you respond sporadically <laughs> yeah. because then I'm like, wow, right. that meme I sent was I'm really just, good. 
now I'm just going to be purposely selective now. I'm going to keep score on my end to see who, uh, I don't want to make anybody feel too special or not special enough. Okay, last question for you is, a lot of people have seen you on the NBA sidelines. You've interviewed basically everybody. So who is your best interview, your worst interview, and the guy that you haven't spoken to yet that you want to? Um, my best one? Man, it's been a few. Like, I... Oof. Kobe in San Antonio, his last year, I think it was, or the year before, the second to last year, um, it was right after he'd had that blow-up uh, in practice to Mitch Kupchak going off and then walking off on the practice. Um, he hadn't spoken to the media yet. And so, and I think they won. I know they won, but I think it was an overtime game even, uh, maybe even multiple overtimes. But um, I just remember saying to myself, man, this is a great chance. I get to talk to Kobe about the cup check thing on, live on television after a great win. And, um, you know, it's going to test my journalistic skills, but it's also, you know, and balancing that with the actual, you know, game questions and everything else. And, I think I did pretty well, and I thought Kobe was awesome. Like, Kobe was awesome. Like, you know, he'll make the type of moment that'll make a journalist's career, right? If somebody of that stature just, you know, knows your spot and gives you great stuff. And mm-hmm. so um, that one was one of my favorites. And then was at least was at the top until last year in the playoffs uh, in Utah when the Jazz clinched and upset the Thunder, right, in the first round. Um, man, that arena was electric. They all were standing around watching me interview Donovan Mitchell. The entire crowd was going nuts. And uh, Donovan was, and you know, being a rookie, experiencing all this for the first time, being a hero in the series, um, it was just, it was surreal to be standing there um, and still having to talk to this guy, too. But, you know, I think I kept my composure pretty well, and I thought um, he was great. And so it was, it was another really great moment. Um, worst interview might have been, I think, one of my first. Um, the only one, the only really negative one I kind of remember is, uh, Rajon Rondo in, in Boston one year. And it was just because, you know, he was short with the first answer and just not very good with the second. Mm-hmm. And it was a halftime interview. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, it was literally my first game. So it was like, you know, like, come on, I want something better than that. But, um, I guess, you know, might as well put my feet to the fire right away. Uh, and then one person I haven't talked to yet that I wish I can, um, I just got Kawhi Leonard off the bucket list on Friday. I saw that. Ooh, uh, talk to Katie stuff. Um, I mean, you've already had Drake. You, you've had so many big names. <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with it. Um, I mean, I guess Embiid. I haven't talked to Embiid on national television yet. That's always going to be a potentially great uh, interview, especially if he watches around the horn or. or HQ and it's heard me be critical of him in the past. <laughs> so I guess Joel Embiid is my uh, my final answer. Okay, well I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, you if you want somebody that's going to give you a good soundbite too, Embiid your guy. Yep, yep. I think that's a solid answer. Awesome. Well, Izzy, you're the best. Thank you for taking the time to do this, especially when you're en route to a music festival. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed catching up with you, and I'll be looking for your comments on the group text later. Love you, Smalls. Always love catching up with Izzy. Thanks again to him for being so candid and open and honest and for taking the time out of his RV trip to a music festival to chat with me. Because, honestly, I would rather be partying on the RV than talking to me. But we love Izzy. And thanks again to Tommy Freeze Pops, who is on the road headed to the loo. Every week, we do it. It's a call to action. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to Small Talk, rate it, preferably five stars, leave a review like this person, Texas 7-Step, who says great podcast, five stars. Comment, though, 
this podcast is as fire as the L.A. Rams. So Texas 7 Step, let's talk. I wish I knew your real name so that we could have a direct conversation here. This is an unbelievable Compli Salt. It's kind of a troll job, but I also really appreciate it. You're giving the podcast five stars because you really like it, but you also like the Rams and you want to take a dig. So I don't really know how to feel about it. But the more I talk through it, I think it's positive. So anyway, be like Texas 7 Step. Subscribe, rate, review, preferably not about the Rams. All right, we will be back at it next week. I think Sir Rudy may be back from his honeymoon by then. I know he's been gone quite a while. Feels like a month and a half, even though I think it's only been two weeks. But if he's back in action and has time, we're going to have to get the post-show pod squad back together because we need a full Sir Rudy wedding breakdown. We haven't done that yet, and trust me, I've got stories. But until then, thanks for listening, and good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.